Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. Happy New Year, MB. Happy New Year. What a way to start the first show of the New Year, huh? Oh, very, very exciting. Um, yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. And it was a shame to not be there with you. Uh, we had our associates in the building, um, thereby we were there in, in spirit. <laughs> it was... Uh... It was something the co- the couch tour of that thing was unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'm like a child. So are we? Um, so we're just going to basically go through song by song for the four nights and discuss the highlights and the lowlights. Dude, I'll be honest. Wanna... I'll be honest. I thought night one was a dud. I was disappointed. Um, and I was, and I said to myself, maybe I didn't miss anything. I said maybe I'm okay staying home. Um. 
it just didn't really it didn't really knock my socks off. And I said to myself, I had real um, I didn't have any any FOMO. I didn't have any fear, right. uncertainty or doubt. I said, good. I said, maybe they're off. You know, I didn't even watch the first night. I waited till the morning. Yeah. Then the yeah. second night came along and the second yeah. night. OK, Ed, Ed yeah. was in the building. All right. And Ed, and that yeah. was my night to go. And I declined it. Uh. And it got. I mean, right from they opened it up with, you know, Fluffhead, Your Pet Cat, Bathtub Gin. I mean, on and on. It was second second set, David David Bowie opener. Okay. You got you enjoy myself. Okay. It was I, I know. It was killer. By the way, a little pro tip from the this this the senior member of our little twosome here. When they've had a break, <laughs> opening nights just tend to be a little yeah, a little not off, but you know, they, I don't think they practice yeah, together. It's like like you and me doing the show, you know, I need to tell oh, that <laughs> that's a, that's a, the appearance we give to the public. Um, right. But, uh, you know, apparently this uh, this approach we're taking is catching on because a, a little bird told me this morning and I had to investigate. But um, our fiercest competitor, the market huddle this week. It's just those two Canadian guys talking, no gas, no nothing. And you know format. It's a good format. It's a good format. Although, you know, I think for choice, people are gonna rather listen to a, a Jewish guy and an Irish guy chatting for an hour than two Canucks. Yes, it's the I mean they're they're really nice guys. I yes. mean they're they're wonderful guys, but you know. Hey, conversations need a little edge to them. <laughs> the edge. That's what we bring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it's, uh, I just feel atypically optimistic. I don't, I wow. don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the lithium. I wow. don't know. Wow. <laughs> Wow, you're participating. You're participating in this in this insanity on Friday. Did you get caught up in Friday? <laughs> oh, I, Friday Friday was the best day I've had in a year. Oh, I cry. Oh, it was it was a bonanza. <laughs> All right, please a... walk me through the bonanza, okay? So what happened Friday? We got the jobs number. Can we can we do yeah. Friday? Can you get Yeah, I yeah. Love, I... I love the chronological. So what? So 6:30 Arizona time, you're getting the jobs number? Is that right? We got the, yeah, we got we got a bunch of numbers on Friday. So we got the monthly payroll number and uh, you know, to the untrained eye, uh it didn't look like uh, there was much going on, but then when you when you started to get a little scrutiny, uh, there were some things in there that I, I thought were really um, uh, really interesting. Uh, one was uh, the wage number was uh, lower than people had expected. So the hourly earnings uh, they were looking for a five percent increase on an annual rate. It was. Uh, they were looking for 5% on an annual rate. They got 4.6. So that's a substantial difference. In addition to that, the prior month was revised down from 5.1 to 4.8. Yeah, classic. So, yeah. so now you will recall me telling you what I like to do is in changing dynamic or changing economies, look at the revisions, yeah. right? Because the they tend to... Uh, understate declines initially or overstate 
mm-hmm. in, in advances. And uh, so that's why the revisions become important. So you had a, a slightly uh, or more than slightly weaker uh, hourly earnings number. Um, and then you had a, a downward revision. So that to me, because that's what the Fed's looking at. Yep. They're talking about payroll, wage pressure, inflation. So that is moderated a little bit. Um, the particip- the participation rate went up by a tenth. Now, a tenth sounds like it's no big deal, but this is a glacial thing. And so more people are entering the workforce, which, you know, uh, should start to take off some of the pressure on wage increases. Mm-hmm. And so um, you combine that with the Fed minutes earlier in the week talking about how they're determined to, you know, wring inflation out of the system. It was extraordinarily bullish for uh, the long end of the yield curve, which, as you may recall, old chestnut grabbed the bag of stuff a while back, and uh, uh, that was a bit fortuitous. So th- these were these elongated munis that I talk about, and uh, they rallied. They must have rallied uh, 25, 30 basis points, and they're they're highly convex, which means the price increases at an increasing rate. So that that worked out pretty well. Uh, I, I'm going to keep them. I, I don't see any point in selling it because I, I, I think this trend will continue. Now, just a warning. These are municipal bonds, very dangerous. <laughs> I don't think anyone should mess around with them. I, yeah. I should think like you crypto. should stick. <laughs> yeah, it's like crypto. So, you know, bad news. Munis yeah. are bad. Don't go anywhere near them. Stay away from munis. Okay. Hey, they're really not sexy. And nobody, nobody talks <laughs> about them. Nobody, nobody. cares. <laughs> Dude, I got this. I got me and my muni boys, and we're swimming in this little pond. <laughs> it's like trying to catch, you know, northern pike. Yeah. You know, just after the the frost, you know, they're hungry. They'll bite yeah. anything, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And nobody so, pays um, attention to that, huh? No. The, the municipal bonds. I mean, I've been trafficking these things since 1979. Yeah. Okay. I mean, did they you, even you have interest funded rates? a lot of projects? You funded a lot of projects, huh? <laughs> when my first foray into the municipal bond market, there was this thing called the Washington Public Power Supply System. Uh, the an acronym was WOOPS, W O O P S, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, they went broke, wow. uh, they went bankrupt, yeah, and that that crushed a lot of people. So um, I think those were paying a 70% coupon. Wow. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't long after that, the uh, Three Mile Island yeah. uh, blew up. They had bonds there. That So it was a lot of devastation. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the uh, municipal bond market back then was the... Uh, you know, involved guys with the polyester ties and the yeah. the, the floodwater suits and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I kind of cut my teeth. <laughs> okay. um, but 
yeah, they go through long periods where there's not much to do. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's one of these things. uh, Our good pal, uh, Leslie Harris, uh, and I, um, not only at the same same time, but simultaneously, we are rereading reminiscences of a stock operator. Okay. And um, this is one of these books I've talked about. I'm pretty sure I've encouraged you to read. Oh yeah. Uh, I've probably read it eight times in my life. Uh, not from beginning to end, but bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And then every so many years I read it from beginning to end. And the reason is the older you get and the more experience you have, the more you get out of it. And uh, another example of that is that the, uh, Confusion of Confusions, that book written in Portuguese about the Amsterdam stock market. Yeah, yeah. Same sort of thing. You you need a certain level of experience to, you know, it's a little bit like um, the the Jewish uh, reading the Talmud. You know, you have to be older to, yes, to yeah. understand it. And, Many uh, hours and devotion. So, yeah. Reading. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um any anyway, uh, the payroll numbers were, I, th- I think, very bullish for uh, fixed income. Uh, what do they mean for stocks? Well, Friday they meant stocks went up, right? I mean, it was a, it was a ginormous day. Uh, we all know I'm no good at stocks, but if you look at broader, uh, you know, measures. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I really like, as you know, these purchasing manager indices. Yeah. Why, why do I like them? I like them because they're simple, they're straightforward, and there's not a lot of nuance to them. And so when you look at the recent purchasing manager indices, and a bunch of those came out on Friday as well. So at 10 o'clock, they came out. And the service index was uh, below 50, which meant the service sector is mildly contracting. Um, new orders uh, for services is at 45. Keeping in mind in perspective, back when I used to do this for a living, 38 was considered recession. Yeah. Wow. So uh, you have that. Uh, other indices which came out earlier in the month uh, prices paid were below 50, uh, production below 50, delivery times below 50. Yeah, yeah. New orders are at 45. I mean, so there's no, there's no month over month increase. Um, JP Morgan, uh, I was, uh, forwarded a piece by a listener who shall remain nameless, but nonetheless appreciated. They're not calling for a recession, but I, I don't know why they would. They're a bank. Yeah. Um, no kidding. I get some I get some uh, uh, research from some hedge funds, and they're looking for uh, a negative first quarter GDP growth. So uh, I, I know I started out by saying I'm optimistic and all that, and I, and I maybe it just means I'm I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> um which is good enough for me 
Yeah, you're um, out in Arizona. You're not home. If you were home in Greenwich, you'd be fucking miserable, dude. It's 26 well, degrees in gray. Yeah. Well, we've got how it's blue sky here. Please. So, uh, are we sporting a mustache? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Dude, the, being a father of a newborn baby has aged me. <laughs> okay, the, the newborn boy has aged me like ten years in the three, the four months he's been alive. The girl was an angel, dude. She never cried in distress. There was never a distress cry until she was two and a half years old. The boy does it every single night. Okay. Yeah, I know. He I know. Attention. <laughs> He's he's too young to slap him around too. He won't get he can't it. Do anything. He can't even run away when I yell at him. <laughs> you know, he, there's not even any baby Tylenol to buy to put him to sleep, right? Even I if guess, there was, but, there'd be a shortage. You know, he can't even get a hold of it. Yeah. Maybe like a little slice of THC or something just to chill him out. I don't... Eat one of my brownies <laughs> off the counter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I do. Um, I. I do uh I do have to compliment you. You you are just so good with those kids. I I I've I've watched the way you can take them places and do things with them and you know the the uh the one time uh Cheryl left me we only had two at the time. It was just Lisa and Maddie. Cheryl had to go to Chicago for the funeral of her grandmother. And we, there was no other option but for yep. me to watch the kids. Now, I don't think she was going 24 hours. I mean, these kids, for 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 whatever meals they managed to get fed, yeah. it was either pizza, chicken nuggets, or French fries. And <laughs> yeah. I probably stuck them in front of a TV watching Raffi on <laughs> infinite on infinite loop. Like the wheels on the bus go yeah, around and yeah, around. Of course, dude, nothing has changed, dude. I'm still doing that with pizza and coca melon on a Wednesday night when she's sick. Okay. So it's like, dude, it's a tale as old as time. So what you see, you might see the cute pictures of, you know, her and I dining at pastis or, you know, touring the intrepid. Okay. I, I was pretty impressed. I saw the oysters. I'm like, the kids shooting oysters. This this gal's going places. And then I'm like, is that pate? <laughs> dude, dude, she recognizes pastis from the West Side Highway. I said, "You want to go to the restaurant that you like?" And she goes, "Yes." Yeah, <laughs> she knows her way. The, yeah. She knows her way around the meatpacking district at age three. <laughs> her uh, her mother being a restaurateur, you know, it's in the genes. Yeah. Were you around in the day? There was a restaurant in the meatpacking district called uh, Florent. Yeah. L.A. It was one of these 24-7 mm-hmm. diners in mm-hmm. the meatpacking district back when the meatpacking district was the meatpacking district. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the food was spectacular. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that thing about the salsa hunger. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. you're not you're not hungry enough. Whenever I'd end up there, it'd be the end of a bender. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, anything could be uh could taste good. Did they reopen the Empire Diner? Did I see? Where's that? On the west side. It was on the west side. I I thought it had closed. It you know for those who aren't familiar with New York, there were a few scenes from Men in Black shot in the Empire Diner. It was one of those old kind of I don't know classic diner cars. 
Yeah, it's open. And uh, they had. Yeah, I thought it closed. No, Tenth Avenue. No, yeah. it's open. It's open. It's it, it looks it could look it could pass for closed if you drove by. Um, but well, yeah, uh, that only that only makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there. Right? It's, it's there and going. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But to 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 continue along lines that have nothing to do with interest to our listeners, mm-hmm. Leslie has this thing. Um, I do, by the way. I do like the little bit of work you're doing on Twitter. What with the um, dear penthouse, I didn't believe these things. So I, I get a box from Leslie. It's got a pound of pastrami, a pound of corned beef, and a pound of brisket. Again, he said. And again, again, but 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 um, is two containers of chopped liver, which I stood with the refrigerator door open having put all this stuff away i took the lid off of one of the chopped liver containers just to have a taste right yeah, just yeah. It, it's so good when it hits your lips yeah, right yeah, yeah, the yeah. next thing i know the next thing i know it's gone yeah of course <laughs> and uh so i'm trying to get back in a regular cycling schedule okay. and so i'm jason's working me back up and but I'm on this I'm on this uh, freaking keto diet, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm eating next to no carbs. I mean, I I just don't know how to keep track of anything. Yeah. I mean, you you think you think with my math skills it should be a no brainer, right? Uh. But but Joe, we're talking because I did a workout yesterday, and I just it was for shit. It, it was like pedaling squares my fellow and and i said to jason i said look at look at these numbers and he said yeah i agree there's something wrong maybe you're not eating right and and maybe not get not get enough carbs and so i talked to cheryl about it and we kind of went through my diet and basically in the last seven days i might have had six grams of carbs you know (laughs) (laughs) so have you considered and, like hiring a professional nutritionist rather than this amalgamation I, of minds? Okay, I'm funny you asked. Okay, so I, like two years ago, I did this, and so she sends me a menu of like, okay, so this is what you do: make tuna fish salad, you know, take an avocado, put it in a bowl, and and I'm like, hey, this is great. How do I how do I do this? And she says, what do you mean? I said, well, I I don't. I don't know how tuna fish. What you know, a bowl? She goes, you get a bowl, you take a can of tuna fish, you open it, you put it in a bowl. Yeah. You take some mayonnaise, whatever you put it in. You, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is why they invented Blue Apron, so that the box can come and that you can open it and it's ready. Yeah. So basically, that's why I never eat any carbs. It's because okay. I don't. It's like. I've got this carb-free bed, which is great. I got cheese. Uh, Left to my own devices. It's the modern-day equivalent of what I told you to do with my kids. Pizza, french fries, chicken nuggets, right? Uh, so yeah. if, I, if, I, if I get hungry and Cheryl's not here, I got a couple of options. One is uh, I'll take two of these no-carb slices of bread, and I'll put some cheese on it, yeah. maybe a little mayonnaise. Okay. So that's no carbs. <laughs> it's zero carbohydrates, right? <laughs> or maybe now I got all this pastrami 
I'll just eat the pastrami. How many yeah. carbs in that? Zero. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. And anyway, um, so we go out to dinner last night with some friends in the neighborhood. And, you know, I'm looking at the menu and I'm afraid to eat anything that's breaded because, okay. Mm -hmm. So Cheryl's like, well, let's count how many carbs you had today. And, you know, reaching, we got to like four grams of carbs, right? So Dude. I'm like, fuck it. I had the chicken parm. And, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was like an orgasm in your mouth, kind of thing. Breaking news: chicken parm is good. <laughs> and I wake up and I'm in a good mood. Yeah, imagine go that. Go figure. Imagine that. I tell you what: between gravity and carbohydrates, if those two things catch on, they're going to be big. They can all. They're going to yeah. be. They're going to be really big. Um. So, uh, yeah, I don't. So the weather's shite out ah, east. Yeah, it's just terrible, dude. There's no there's no snow in Vermont. There, it's just terrible. It's cold and rain. It's useless weather. I'm landlocked with no snow to the north. There's like too much snow in Colorado. And just, yeah, the east coast for the next 10, 20 days is just garbage. Um, So, yeah, it's yeah. field trips. It's going to be field trips with the kid. We're going to go to the farm. We went to the Intrepid. We went to the train museum. We'll go to brunch. What, what am I supposed to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's this thing that when I say this word, my three daughters are going to shake in their boots. Okay. <laughs> Kuman. Okay. It's this, it's this <clears throat> Japanese math training thing. It teaches a math. Okay. Yeah. Now you scoff at this. Like, no, nope. if I had, if I had this thing growing up, I'd have made something of myself because they, they, it's as Japanese as it could possibly be, meaning it's just repetitive until you get the thing right. Yeah. And as a great marketing scheme, I think like two-year-olds, they start them on this stuff. And, you know, the the Greenwich way of doing it is you go to the Kumon guy and he gives you the, the weekly homework. I'll bet somewhere online for free you can get this thing. Yeah, I got it right but here. Kumon.com. Kumon.com. Practice there you go. Makes, practice makes possibilities. Yes. This thing, so my kids can do math. I'm sure. And, and uh, I'm not going to say they couldn't do it without this thing. Clearly they could. Cheryl would have beat it into them one way or another. But if you're looking for something, because early on to get the kids hooked, they make it kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So, um Maybe you want to take a look at doing something like that. Yeah, yeah. I've been know. ripping through. I've been um, ripping especially through. if you can get it for free someplace. Yeah. Wow. Mystery in math and reading. Take a child to great places. All starts with practice. Yeah. Reading? Yeah. They got reading too? Oh, yeah. They're yeah, branching yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. They're not yeah. They're dopes. Yeah. Well, they're, they're I mean, they push kids pretty hard these days. I mean, you know, if you haven't cured cancer by the time you're getting ready to go to college, you just give, give up, right? right. Go to thinking, junior college. Stanford. <laughs> Unbelievable. So anyway, uh, I had uh, a wonderful, wonderful day yesterday. I met up with, and I, I can't mention his name because uh, 
I didn't ask permission. Mm -hmm. And he, all his life, he's stayed away from being in the public eye. But he was, is still, even to this day, with me being 62, a mentor. Uh, I worked with him. First, he uh, was my boss. Then we became partners at Greenwich Capital. And uh, six foot seven versus my 5'10". And, uh, uh, you know, like often happens in Wall Street, uh, sometimes relationships, you know, come undone. And, and that happened to us, but it wasn't until we had been like market friends for like five or six years and then business colleagues for 10 years. And then, you know, I'll take responsibility for why we had a bit of a falling out, but we reconnected uh, when the airline stuff we were involved in needed some maintenance. And it's amazing how sometimes you can find a partner now, for me, I've had this happen in business twice. Once was with this fellow that I'm talking about, and the other was with uh, E.G. Fisher. And there's times where it's just, you don't even have to talk. It's just like there's this telepathy that yep. goes on. And and I had it with this man, and I and I even today even though we don't work together same thing with eg it's just like it just it's transcendent right and um and i haven't seen this fellow in person in multiple years and you know he's 70 now uh we all get our health issues as you get older but uh we spent uh, a good portion of the day uh together yesterday and uh god i learned so much from this guy one of a handful of traders that i i work with and i really owe so much of my success to these guys um this fellow who i'm next time i speak to him i'll ask Mm -hmm. him if i can mention his name but if you were a greenwich capital guy you know who i'm talking about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh my friend uh, Cliff at the French Grain Company, uh, you know, so much of the stuff I've succeeded at has merely been a combination of imitation and brute force. Okay, I'm I'm not going to tell you I haven't had my own epiphanies from time to time. Um, those I generally don't share because no one else knows about them. And um, I, why give, you know, of course, why give them away for free? So yeah. EG knows them. Uh, I told my son in law about it. Uh, you know, I'll give it to you before I mm-hmm. leave the earth. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I'm just there's just a couple things that line up every few years and they're just, it's stupid. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but like I said, the bulk of this, uh, success in however you measure it, and I, I'm going to be arrogant and say, I feel like I was a success. It's just, you see what smart people do and you figure it out 
and then you imitate it, which is why when I see people like Miss Ms. Catherine Wood on the tape all the time talking about this or that, it's a bit of a red flag to me. Like, if you're so smart, why, why are you telling people what you're doing? What I mean, well, in her case, it's part of probably, uh, and I'll refer to the Dunning-Kruger effect, which in English means you're too stupid to know you're too stupid. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the local example is that guy we used to ride with, the ball mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I won't say his name. <laughs> Max. <laughs> um, so, you know, if she's right on her stock picks, they're going to go up. Yeah. But what does she need to, to, to tell anyone from? And, and, and so just to take it a, a little bit of a step to prove this is not just me being an angry old man, which, by the way, guilty as charged. <laughs> um, if you tell me everything you own, why do I need to pay you? Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Okay, it's like, oh, you bought this? Well, then I'll yep. just go buy that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the part, and I'm going to claim that we talked about this months ago. Mm-hmm. She would go and buy a bunch of some illiquid stuff and some some liquid, but some illiquid stuff and then go tell everyone she bought it. And then people would follow it and they would buy it and they would push the price up and, pe and her returns would go up and people would send her money and she would take the money and buy the same stocks. And that would push the price of the stock up. And it was a virtuous, yeah, virtuous. Albeit, albeit immoral and unethical but it was a virtuous cycle. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the tide went out and you had a 65-year-old woman swimming <laughs> naked. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> Which yes. is why the stock went to 30. I, I mean, I've never seen her naked. I hope, God <laughs> right. forbid, I never do. Right. Um, <laughs> that's got to be worth 10 bucks. 30, 30. Okay, that's where we are. It's 30 <laughs> from whatever it was at, 110, 120. Um, but yep. but my, my favorite thing is just, I look, we don't discuss what you do for a living because it's, you know, it's national security and we can't talk about it. Okay. Um, you're very busy. When I was working, I was very busy. I didn't have time to go and do these interviews and, and, and I wouldn't have done them anyway. What I am, what gonna am I going to, I can't get enough for the trades I want to do in the first place. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, so I'm going to tell you Joe blow for, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, she's whether her fund works or not. It's a little bit to me like the crypto stuff. You know, there's this concept of proof of concept. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think I think we have proof of failure. If, <laughs> I, if you want, if you want to run around, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. no. If, if you want to, if you want to listen to her talk about this thing or that thing, yeah, go ahead. But you know, <laughs> the same thing with like the crypto stuff. Do we really need 
do we really need to think this thing is legitimate? Uh, honestly, I think please. it's done. I think we put the nail in the coffin. I think I I think it could be dead. Um, dude, those Winklevoss, the, the, they're gonna <laughs> southern, southern districts coming knocking, or the I think it could be the eastern district, but New York is coming knocking for the Winklevoss boys. Um, and they're already pointing fingers at Barry Silbert and Silvergate went down fifty percent. Dude, it, it's yeah. the, the gutter is crowded today. <laughs> it, it, it is. You know what disappointed me was. Uh, because I think the government can still fuck it, fuck it up. So it, my example was, remember they got hold of Tether and fined them 50 million bucks and, and yeah. yada, yada, yada. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, the New York guys fined Coinbase 50 million bucks for poor, yeah. for poor compliance. Yeah. That's the, that's the wrong thing. It's like, what it's, they, I would laugh if I was Coinbase. I'd write that check as soon as the door closed and they were out of the building. I'd be on the floor rolling, laughing. Yeah, at how obtuse these people are. Isn't that isn't that what Wells Fargo's been doing for the last thirty years? Is just doing crooked shit, paying fines, and and keeping on. Uh, I'd be a little tentative about accusing Wells Fargo <laughs> of doing cro crooked shit. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I know. Like guilty. But, uh, it's in the public record. They're they're as crooked as the day is long. Consistently. <laughs> I mean, that's on the. That's just what I read in the New York Post. I mean, according to the Post. Okay? Yeah, but, 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 you don't want to comment lady. on it because you got somebody at Wells Fargo. That's fine. Okay. No, 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 no. It's just they got deep pockets. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, they don't. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> look, I. I don't. I got a lot shorter time horizon than you do, <laughs> but I, I I don't need. I've okay. been I've been in lawsuits, and yes. I know how they go. Okay. And it's jarndice, jarndice, and jarndice. Right? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, we uh, we're seeing kind of like the unwind of the nonsense, and yeah. uh, you know the crypto guys. Uh, in fact, the uh, and I hate to say his name because I don't I I have mixed feelings about it. But the guy Caleb is not oh, yeah, put yeah, out a piece. He's polarizing. On, uh, Nassim Taleb. Yeah. Well, look, he wrote the book The Black Swan. Okay. Now, the tall guy I told you about, which recently during the earlier today mm -hmm. you know I, i'm not saying we invented the black swan concept because we didn't realize we were inventing the concept mm -hmm. but it was just one of these things it was like hey wait a minute if this happens then that happens and if that happens well that's we don't want that mm -hmm. and so we would we were I can't even claim we were pioneers of this tail risk and black swan. It's just that was part of what we did, right? And so he writes a book and gets famous. And and now he's talking about, you know, the crypto is a scam. Okay, well done again. Um, mm -hmm. But anyone with, with a brain or, you know, seven-eighths of a brain uh, should have known that it's fucking nonsensical. Yep. So, um uh, but I want to come back 
if I may, and look at the Kathy Wood scenario, um, because I think, you know, as much as I've beat that horse to death like nine times, it, it's really a good example of what types of things are important if you want to be a trader. And I want to make it clear that uh, there's traders and there's investors. Okay. If you want to be a trader, we can talk about that and we will in a minute. If you want to be an investor, that's fantastic. Okay. But let's be clear about what our goals are. Okay. And if you're a trader, okay, that's not some guy that's got a job and during the day is going to E-Trade or Interactive Brokers and banging back and forth 500 shares. Being a trader is, if you don't make any money, you don't eat, right? I, I read recently some some phrase about, like, I can I can hit a wine glass with a handgun from 500 yards and the guy's like, yeah, but can you um, can you hit a, a wine glass from 500 yards when the wine glass is pointing the gun back at you? You know, um, and and that's to me when I talk about the people I traffic with, you know, e.g., Leslie, my friend uh, Peter, a number of these guys. Okay, it's kill what you you eat, what you kill. Okay, and I coined a phrase, which I didn't copyright a long time ago, called cocktail party bullshit. And I, I've run into a bit of that again, and it irks me because so many people, when they know you're investing, they want to impress you with this or that. And, and it's like, I, I'm generally, up until one last conversation, pretty polite about these things. And I listen and I say thanks. And, but, um, you know, that's not, that's not being a trader. That, I don't even know. You're yeah. just kidding yourself. It's a hobby. Right? You doing a, it's like a hobby, you know? Yeah. And you're way better off identifying that you're an investor. And then we go back through this rubric, which we've talked about many times. It's like, turn the map around. Where do you want to be when you're 65? You know, where do you want to be when you're 55? And, and where are you today? And kind of map out a plan. Sitting at a cocktail party talking about how, you know, you bought CRISPR or, <laughs> yeah, something. And it's like, you know, trust me, it, you know, that ain't gonna, that, that, that ain't gonna work. And, and um, that's why going through and rereading this reminiscences of a stock operator is so good because when you've been doing this for as long as I have, or, you know, my collective gang has, you realize is, is nothing new. And a lot of it comes down to the psychology and the emotion of dealing with the trades. And um, a lot of people get to places in, in different ways. 
And I've looked back and kind of wondered, uh, somebody recently asked, you know, what book or what experience did you have in your life that you thought made a huge difference? <clears throat> and, and I don't want to overshare, uh, but I think this is, this is significant. So uh, I don't make any secret that growing up, there was a lot of turmoil <clears throat> in our house and uh, it, it, it wasn't a great situation. So uh, my mother suffered from some sort of mental illness. I don't know whether today it would be called manic depressive or bipolar, but not only did you not know from day to day what you were going to get, you didn't know from moment to moment. Okay. So literally from the time I was born, there you never knew what was going to happen next which is which is very um growing up as a child i mean it's just chaotic right but in terms of like dealing with the market mm -hmm. just being comfortable with living with the constant uncertainty and by the way living comfortable being comfortable that's not really exactly right i yeah. i think it's more like being familiar with it. I, I mean, I don't know that I'm ever comfortable with it, but yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I do remember, uh, and if this gets too over the top, just stop me. Okay. Yeah. But I do remember one day, uh, it was very chaotic and my father had gone to great length to calm my mother down. And, they were going to go out and just have a quiet dinner, the two of them. So um, my dad had made some soup for me and my brother to have for dinner. You know, not like Amy or you were going to make. No, it was Campbell's soup. With, yeah, yeah, you dump yeah. the can in, you dump a can of water. Okay. So he makes the soup and he puts it in front of us. And um, then Mark and I go fucking around. And like 30 minutes later, we the soup's still sitting there, but now it's cold. Mm -hmm. And my mother and father are all dressed to go to dinner. And, and you know, she's calm, but, you know, it's just moment to moment. And she looks and she says, is that, is that soup hot? And I realized at that moment, I'm not sure what to say. Because if I say it's cold she's going to flip out with why are you eating cold soup mm -hmm. and if i say it's hot well i'm i'm lying okay so of course i go with the hot because at least if she doesn't call my bluff life's gonna go on right oh, well she calls my bluff and the soup is cold let's just say chaos ensues okay so i don't know how old i am let's say i'm 12 years old yeah. okay so you're 12 and you have your parent your parents 
And now they're both looking at you to make a fucking decision. And that's, you know, as they said in Star Trek, that's the no-win scenario, right? And um, unlike James T. Kirk, I, I believe in the no-win scenario. Yeah. So, so when you come to things in the market and I have to make decisions and stuff like that, it's like, this isn't that tough. Yeah. Like it ain't work. It, it ain't, it ain't working. Get out. Yeah. I mean, whether that sounds like a bad experience or not, to me, it was not that great being there and uh, it left a mark. Now yeah. you might argue that, and I would argue that that experience is, I've turned it into a way to benefit me in later in my life. Yeah. yeah. But you know, when you're at a cocktail party and a guy tells you how he's making all this money trading and his day job is he's a dentist or he's a doctor or he's a lawyer or this or that, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that that's fine. So, you know, that's one of those experiences that I think really shaped me in terms of knowing what it feels like to have to make a decision knowing you don't know how it's going to go yet you have to you have to make one i yeah, I, I wasn't right. left the choice of not answering yeah right yeah. and so i don't know wow. maybe that's maybe that's sounds too sappy or too emotional ah, or, or whatever but i mean you know that's I, a fascinating I, insight into the into the decision making process and how you, you learned early to make hard decisions and think on your feet quickly and come up with the best answer um, in a no win win situation. That's in, in, in more importantly, or not more importantly, but in, in addition, understanding that, you know, you, you it was going to be bad no matter what you did. You just try to make the best choice that you can. Right. And it doesn't mean it's going to, it doesn't mean it's going to work. Yeah. So, Wow. Uh, that's why losing money doesn't I mean nobody likes losing money but yeah. you know it's like this is what you sign up for yeah and um why when I look at you know coconuts um and I talked about earlier how like people would ask me about this or that and I would be nice about it so a guy calls me up the other day who I have to have a relationship with for certain reasons and he says, uh, so you know about this algorithmic trading? And I said, yeah, I know about algorithmic trading. And he's like, well, I, I, I know these guys and they're doing really well with it. And I, I'm thinking of giving them some money. What do you think? And I, I'm like, no, I, no. I said, I've had experience with these things. I said, 5% of these guys are really good at it. And the one, the one that comes to mind would be AQR or DE Shaw. Okay. okay. And uh, Rent Renaissance Capital, yeah. the guys on Long Island. Okay. So that's the 5%. I've had algorithmic traders work for me and for the most part, F. Okay. So anyway, the guy starts to try and convince me. I'm, I don't, I don't know. Like, these guys are different. And yeah, I said, yeah, look, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. Um, you called me 
you asked me about something that I know about, and now you're arguing with me. Yep. And I gave him this story. I don't know if I've told you this one, but uh, when Cheryl and I both worked in the city, um, we'd take the uh, 510 bar car home at night. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't drink. It's just the layout of the car was comfortable and the same people, so you got to have your your pals. And so one day I'm at work and and one of the guys I worked with showed me this ad from the Wall Street Journal. And it was some guys down in Texas trying to raise some money um, with these things called sucker wells. They're, you know, like in the movies, you see that well going up Up and and down. down. And so the argument is the majors would buy big fields and the low producing wells they would sell off to get the capital and so you could take an interest and it might generate five barrels of oil a week or something like okay and and so in theory the return was pretty high so i i'm asking this guy who um on the trainers in the oil business and um the guy's name uh Bromley Demerit. And um, interesting fact, Bromley Demerit's brother-in-law was Larry Hagman, who played J.R. Ewing in Dallas. Okay. Anyway, uh, I show this thing to Bromley Demerit, and he says, Morris, the good oil deals never leave Texas. Talk about wisdom. And so this guy calls me up about the algorithmic trading. And I'm like, listen, anyone that's good at this, they're not coming to you. <laughs> Renaissance right? has had the gates closed for 20 years. Renaissance, good. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stick what you know. Yeah. That's and funny. Finally, people don't psychology that's funny that's that's classic trader psychology or, or you know market psychology they don't hear what they want to hear and they push back against you you know cheryl made a comment the other day which was just so i thought impressive she said people look at trading like they're walking into a casino but they don't want to admit they're in a casino Right. And that's that that's it in a nutshell. I, I, I think, you know, so there's nothing wrong with being an investor. I get it. I mean, Warren Buffett's an investor. Worked out pretty good for him. Fine. You know, you want to be a trader? Okay. Quit your job. Okay. Yep. And see what's in the checking account the end yeah. of every month yeah yeah but you know that's just old chestnuts take on this thing by the way i have with this new high-tech studio we're in i have no idea how long we've been talking for how, do you have guess, any idea my guess is 50 minutes um that's my ballpark i think we're around the 50 minute mark um okay yeah but I want to thank uh, before we go because we had a lot of ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah, WRC yeah, yeah. People give a lot of money to that charity in Ireland. So from my mother and from me personally, August Roth, Leslie Harris, Brian Silcott. There was a long list of names. There was a long list of anonymous names. But there was people when they 
That charity thought they were going to get 5,000 euro. They got 55 euro, 55,000 euro, and it's still going. All right. So for that little kid, no, that little kid on the West coast of Ireland. Yeah. They did a little fundraiser and there was like, bring your tractor and we're going to drive the tractor around round Hill road and back down Lake Avenue. They thought they were going to get 50. They got 250 tractors, the whole county, the whole community showed up. It was just a beautiful thing for the sick kid. Um, and the the inside baseball people showed up. I know I shouldn't have been surprised, but my mother was stunned that that I have people that listen to a show of mine that would cough <laughs> up generously hundreds of hundreds of pro- oh i stopped counting at three thousand but the in the inside baseball people probably gave five grand to that charity ten percent of the overall take and the people on that west coast of ireland kept saying what's the inside baseball who's inside baseball what's ivwoc they have no fucking clue what this is um but now they will and but most importantly thank you to the listeners from my mother who is just over the moon that we were able to help with that that means the world to her so I really want to thank those guys, especially like, like I said, Leslie, August Roth, Brian Silkata, the names off the top of my head. Um, I'll go through the list and I'm going to send notes to those people. But that was just awesome. So I want to thank the guys that coughed up money in these dark, dreary days of winter for that good cause. And I got nice notes from listeners. Um, so like I said, I said it on that last show before Christmas. We couldn't do this without you. And it's been a pleasure. And we're coming up on 100 shows. Um so maybe we'll have something special for the hundredth show um, and beyond that. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. How do you like the new studio? You 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 like this? Fantastic, dude. I like you want to take ten minutes to bash Zencaster because you were taking. Oh two, my we, god. We did the show on for two years. This is how dopey me and MBR. And so we're doing it on Zoom today. We we're having a Zoom meeting. We're recording it, and I'm going to publish it on Podbean. Walk in the park. Morris produced last week's show, and you saw how seamless it went. The audio sounded great. Dude, <laughs> You're the very audio- kind. The audio has sounded like shit, all right, for two years. It's been it's become a joke how bad our tin can fish is in the beginning. I think that's because of Zencaster like automatically remixing it or whatever. So if Bohemian's Rhapsody sounds great today and Morris can produce the show on Zoom, we might even be able to have a guest that we could confidently bring on and have a conversation with. So we have we're, we're going to discuss yeah. that with the uh, with the suits up at the uh, on the upper floors of the building. Um, and we'll see what we can do for that for the hundredth going forward. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, you're, you're awesome. You threw me all off today. I, don't, I have notes. I have no idea how long we've been talking. And you start the show with sunshine in your face. And I'm in a great mood and unbound optimism. I don't know. What... <laughs> oh, oh, who knew? Who knew? All it took was a little chicken parm. Unbelievable. <laughs> and some chop and some chopped liver. It's unbelievable. Right. life grand. Back up the truck and, and so, buy everything. <laughs> it's so good to see you, buddy. It's gold. So Leslie's going to get his gold. He almost got it. He was a week ahead on his gold call. We, Leslie says that gold is going to 1900. All right. So, and I thought he was going to get it on Friday, um, but he didn't. So, I don't, I, you know, that barbaric relic, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I threw in the towel, sort of, mostly. Okay. Enough. Okay. I'm not, I played the bond guys. So. All right. Anyway, we'll see you in a week. All right, pal. I'll see you soon. Right. Thank you. Take care.